Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That is the live feed. You want to become a member of that. It is free to do so, folks. So get yourself onto MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Become a member. It takes you just a couple seconds. And the two great things about being a member is that you get to chat with us in the live chat room. And so if you have questions on your fantasy team and the Fantasy Football Power Hour and so much more, you can shoot that over to us while we're talking live with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. And you can also be emailed every single time the show goes live. So you'll never miss a live show again, never miss a live broadcast, because your email will literally alert you and say, Wake Up Call is live. You open the email, click to listen. That's all you have to do. You open your email, you click to listen. They say on the internet, you should be three clicks or two. So we make it very, very easy for our members. So make sure you become one today. When I tell you it's free, it's actually free. It's not kind of free. It's totally free. So make sure that you jump on to the mixlr.com backslash DT feed and join us there for the show. Fantasy Football Power Hour happening every Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Once again, like I said, with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, you can head there to get a plethora of opportunities to help your fantasy team. There's one as low as $5, and there's also numerous other opportunities to have Mike run your team, go to your draft, help you out in so many different ways to get you to a place of prominence in fantasy football, and we appreciate him doing that. This hour is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the hub of our fantasy football drafts every single year with the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. With all that being said, Mr. Mike Sofka, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And Mike, you know, first and foremost, for you, you know, we were talking about this off the air a little bit, so... Before we hop into going division by division, and for those of you that know, last week we did the AFC North, broke down fantasy football information for all four teams. Each fantasy football power hour, that's what we're doing. We're breaking all these down to make sure that we give you the information that you need So and spending the ample time on it. But before we go there, you and I were talking about Des Bryant. He is literally, not figuratively, running completely out of time. We are through the draft. We are, I mean, we saw free agency. We saw the draft. We have seen OTAs. We're heading into training camp very, very, very soon. And this man still doesn't have a job. What do you think about the situation of Des Bryant? And, you know, now I guess the Baltimore Ravens, that, that opportunity, he might want to look back retroactively, hindsight being 2020, and have taken that job. Yeah, it's a little too late for that, unfortunately, for, for Dez. You know, he's going he's gonna to wait for an opportunity. He's got to wait for an injury or something to happen at this point because he kind of priced himself out of his own market. You know, there's a, you know, when you're trying to sell or buy anything, there's a certain point where value exceeds price. It's a bargain, and you buy it. If the value is beneath the price, you wait for a discount to consider buying it. So... It's just a matter of the value, the perceived value. You know, it didn't look like he was a true number one a lot of the time in the recent past. And it didn't look like he was the type of guy who was a rah-rah guy, a, a lead the locker room guy. You know, he's kind of that prima donna, selfish type uh, wide receiver that we've seen time and time again. I've often said to, to friends and, and, and people I'm discussing things with that, you know, the wide receivers are definitely the, the the group of guys collectively. You know, not everyone. I know I'm painting this with a very broad brush, but collectively they're the guys on the field that think the most of themselves. They're the guys that are better than a lot of other people. And a lot of times they are. I'm not going to kid you. They're, uh, wide receivers are among some of the premier athletes in the NFL as far as speed, athletic ability, ability to jump and catch and so forth. But if that don't transition to the field and you still think you're that much better, you know, God bless you, but you're not. And, you know, the NFL is a business first. You know, from the fan side, our perspective, our perception of the thing is that, you know, it's a game. And these guys should be lucky to be getting paid for a game. Well, from Dead's side, that's true. He ought to feel lucky for getting paid to play a game. But at the same time, the NFL is a business. 
And again, if the value doesn't exceed the price, he's going to go unsold or sit on the shelf forever. So he needs something to change. Either he needs to change his outlook, he needs to take a step back, he needs to realize he may go somewhere as a number two or a 1A instead of the one. He needs to realize that he may not get all the money. If I was Des Bryant at this point, I would find the right situation, and it's going to take time at this point. It's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow. But what he needs to do is sit back, and then he needs to hope for a one-year deal somewhere. And that's going to be a proving ground year. That's going to be a year where he can show, hey, I'm still in the game. Hey, I can still be a number one. Hey, I can still be a star in this league, and I demand star money. And until he does that, he's going to be sitting on the shelf. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, he's in a place right now where obviously there's something that people don't like because, you know, there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns passed on Johnny Manziel the first time around and then everybody else passed on him until he dropped into the 20s. So, and then Cleveland was like, whatever, I guess we'll pick him up at this point. So there's a reason why these things happen. There's a reason why people go, eh, I don't know. And Dallas obviously was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's just not a good fit for us anymore. And nobody has given him a chance. I mean, in the, in the early hours of this, I thought it was totally logical, rational, could happen that the Giants called him up and were like, you know what? We're going to sign you immediately. We're going to put you on the other side of Odell Beckham Jr. And we're just going to harass the hell out of the Cowboys and everybody else because we're going to have both of you guys here. There was that rationale that, okay, he would stay in the NFC East even if he didn't go to the Giants. There was the rationale that the Jaguars could pick him up because they got rid of Hearns and and Robinson. So there's this opportunity in getting rid of Hearns 88, bringing in 88 for the Jaguars. They just have to change the name on the jersey. So, you know, they're... In the early stages of this, there were plenty of teams that made sense. And when you look back on it, I actually wrote a story about Des Bryant where I said, you know, what would be the good Des Tenations? And what I had him down for that I thought made sense for him, all the teams that he had here, was the fact that, you know, for me, I thought that, you know, he could go to Jacksonville, San Francisco, Oakland, Houston, Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Jets, as well as Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. I looked at the Detroit Lions. There was a long list, and I gave my reasoning for every single one of them. But Jacksonville has six or seven guys now, and the majority of those guys are not expensive. San Francisco still needs some help there, so that's interesting. Oakland could use some help. Houston could always use some help for DeAndre Hopkins. Cleveland looks, you know, dare I say it, pretty good, and I don't know if they want the headache. Baltimore... They got all, all their three guys, the, the arguable depth chart of one, two, and three, however you want to run it, from Willie Sneed to John Brown to Michael Crabtree, none of them were on the team last year, and they're all there now, so he's not going there, and obviously you turn that down. The New York Jets can always use some help. Arizona, they got Larry Fitzgerald, and they, they drafted a Christian Kirk, and they're going to give him, I think, that Kirk is going to step in to that role, and I think eventually we're going to see Rosen as the number one, Kirk is the number one receiver for him. L.A., I mean, there's moves that they can make, but L.A.'s made a lot of moves and, and have made themselves better all over the field. And then the Detroit Lions, you know, I don't know if, if Patricia wants to deal with that. So, you know, there's still a few teams on this list this late in the game that can make some sense, but, you know, he has to, like you said, whatever his asking price is, whatever he's demanding, he needs to really take a step back. The hilarity of it all is the team that needs him the most is probably the Dallas Cowboys, but they're not going to retroactively go back and get him, one would think, just like Dwayne Casey getting fired by Toronto and Toronto not hiring anybody for over a month and kind of going back and going, you know, I, I said to the fans, do you want them to just kind of go with their tail between their legs and go back to him? And a lot of fans were like, yeah, I hope they do, because why did they fire the guy? So, you know, it's just, it's funny how Dallas needs him and he needs Dallas, but nobody wants to pick this guy up right now. And, you know, I I think that we're heading toward training camp, like you said, Mike, without an injury. Is Des Bryant going to be on a football team this year? Yeah, I don't, again, I think that he needs something to happen. Something needs to give somewhere. There needs to be some sort of hole needs to come through the dam to let the rest of the water through because he needs 
an injury. He needs a retooling. He needs to go back hat in hand, you know, uh, more of a of a team role or more of a role player role, if you would. I, I think that, you know, if he accepts that initially, he could grow back into what he once was and what everybody thinks he could still be. But I don't think that many people still think he can still be that guy. Dallas had a lot going for him in the recent years with Ezekiel Elliott and with Dak Prescott. And if Dez couldn't show out with that, there's some other problems. So I think there, there is a smallest, 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 and to use the words of Dumb and Dumber, you're saying there's a chance. There is an outside chance he could go back and re-sign with Dallas, but I don't think that's going to happen like you had pointed out. And, you know, everyone's settling in. You know, when the real mini camps start and things start to take shape and mold, mold in the teams and they start cutting players and players start to move around, I think just before the season starts might be a, a time where we see Dez latch on somewhere in some sort of role. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's going to have to kind of sit and wait. You know, we look at Terrell Owens, we look at Chad Ochocinco. He seems to be in line with those, does he not, Mike, of these guys that are, you know, working out in their driveway but not getting any phone calls. Yeah, you know, that, and, and you look at all those guys, what do they all have in common? They're all me. They're all me players. Like Keyshawn, you know, give me the damn ball. You know, hey, I'm special. Get the ball to me. You know, that doesn't that only goes so far so many times. That only works when you're winning. If if me, me, me results in win, 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 everybody's all about it. But if me, me, me doesn't result in wins, well, you're going to find a job somewhere else. Yeah, and that's, and that's where we sit right now at Des Bryant is that he does not have a home and the question mark as to why, you know, people say, listen, is he – is he your third best? Is he your second best? You know, he makes sense in Cincinnati, too, because they don't have any <laughs> logical help. But nobody is taking a flyer on this guy, and that's got to that's gotta let you know something and be a little bit questionable about why exactly nobody wants to take a chance on him. Here with Mike Sofka in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. Head there for all of your sports-watching needs as well as food that you – there's so many different things on the menu that you can logically order something different pretty much every week of the year and still have to get something new the next week. So make sure you pop into the Wildcat Sports Pub. Great food, great atmosphere, family-friendly sports bar. Somehow they figured out a way to make it kid-friendly and a sports bar. I've never experienced it the way I've experienced it with them. So shout-out to Danny and Heather because I love working with people that – you know, they're innovative. They do good things, and they make it happen. And they really, when they say they're going to put something together, they put it together. So with that being said, we're putting together our fantasy football advice for you, getting you ready for your draft coming up within the next month or two. And with that being said, we're going division by division. We started in the AFC, so we'll stay there. And we're going to the AFC East today. So we're going to break it down team by team inside of each division each week so that you have ample time to go through this. We're going to go to the names. We're going to go fourth, fifth string guys if we have to, to make sure that you can make a note of each team, each division, on how well you can prepare yourself for your fantasy football draft. And that's what Mike and I are here for. So with that being said, Mike, let's hop into the AFC East. And we're going to start with the Patriots. What are your thoughts with the Patriots uh, let's start. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> some teams it feels weird to say this because of who's there, but let's start with the quarterback situation. Your thoughts on fantasy value for New England? Yeah, I think that um, you're going to do well if you have a few key elements from the Patriots in your fantasy lineups on your roster. And, you know, that, that all starts with Tom Brady. I mean, you know, yeah, he's an old guy, but he's the wise old guy. He's the TB12 guy. He's the guy who's proven time after time, again and again, you know, over the long haul, even though he hasn't won every Super Bowl he's been in. He's been to quite a few of them, and he's won quite a few of them. So this is a guy who more times than not is going to get it done. This is a guy who, even though the relationship with Belichick is expressed through the media as tenuous at best, this is a guy who gets it done, gets it, and can make it happen. He can help the team march down the field. He can help your team make first downs. He can help your team score points. He's smart on the field. He's almost like having another coach on the field, a la Peyton Manning, 
this is the guy who, you know, has what it takes to be a winner in the NFL. And that's what it really comes down to. As a business, you have to win. And if you don't win in the NFL, you're not going to be around for long. And, of course, Tom Brady's proven he's a winner. That's why he's still around. Yeah, you know, and, and, and where we are right now with Tom Brady, I mean, he's still going to make things happen. You know, this relationship with Bill Belichick seems kind of interesting, how he's not really lying to anybody. He's saying no comment with different things. I, I find that to be, I find that to kind of make me take a step back a little bit and say, you know, our teams like Jacksonville, who were really close, do they have an opportunity this year and moving forward with, you know, the home of, of the Patriots not being as cozy as it once was. But Tom Brady, if he's going to be on your team, he's going to help you out. We know that this is a pass-first team. We know he's going to get you yardage. We know he's a pain in the butt to play against. And if for nothing else, if you don't like the Patriots, you don't like Tom Brady, it doesn't matter. When it comes to fantasy, if you want to win your games, you have to think about, do I want to have him playing for me or against me? And in the case of Tom Brady, you want him playing for you. Sony Michelle, James White, Jeremy Hill from Cincinnati, Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley, who had some good moments but then kind of sputtered out, and Brandon Bolden. There are six running backs on the New England Patriots. All of them got time last year outside of Sony Michelle, who is a rookie. Dare I say that they might have the most depth at running back that maybe they've ever had. What do you think about the running back situation in New England, how it affect how it affects your fantasy team. Well, I think in order to look at that, you got to look at what they did with their first pick, number twenty three overall, taking Isaiah Wynn, offensive tackle out of Georgia, and then of course they went and swapped the third and fifth round picks with the Forty ers for right tackle Trenton Brown. So, you know, here's the situation: they beefed up the line a little bit. Oh, and by the way, the guy they drafted, Isaiah Wynn. All New England did was go get his running back or one of the two-star running backs from the Georgia Bulldogs in Tony Michelle. Super fast guy. Get him the ball in space. Give him an opportunity. Give him multiple touches throughout the game. So I think the future is bright for New England with a playmaker like Sony Michelle who can score from anywhere, anytime without warning on the field. This is a guy who they're going to have returned some kicks as well, I'm sure, until he establishes himself as the full-time running back in New England. But that's the danger. New England never has a full-time running back. They have a full-time running back one play at a time. You never know. The guy may end up bagging groceries next week at the at the Kroger or something. You know, the guy could run for three, four touchdowns one week and never be heard from again and then be cut and never seen again. Sony Michelle has a great opportunity and New England has a great opportunity. But you can't forget about guys like Rex Burkhead, who they brought in and who they just bumped up in pay to be one of those consistent guys, to be one of those pass catching receivers. Mike Gillisley. The guy from Florida, the guy bounced around a little bit, and this looks like a, a, you know, it looked like he was going to be the guy last year, but that never came through. So what did they do? They bring in Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill is a big back, a solid back. Maybe he's going to take the LeGarrette blunt roll. Maybe he's going to be the short down guy. Maybe he's going to be the red zone guy. So maybe if you're in a touchdown only league, maybe that's the way you go. But you can't forget about James White. A few years ago, James White was thought to be the guy they were grooming to be that number one running back, and that hasn't panned out either. So with all that in mind, the bottom line is they're going to have a running game in New England. It may be a mixed bag of tricks. Be cautioned uh, going into drafts, but if you're in a dynasty situation, Sony Michelle is an excellent guy to add. I don't have to tell you that. But just be prepared for an up-and-down year, a committee situation, a situation where your guy might not touch the ball one game, and then the next week you bench him because he didn't touch the ball, and he goes out and runs for four touchdowns. So just keep all that in mind. Understand that's what you're getting into when you draft a running back from New England. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Mike brings up a good point, and, you know, that's why I was prefaced here is the fact that we're in a position right now when you look at – this team, when you look at the New England Patriots and their rushing attack, that they do, like you said, they don't have they don't have a guy that they trust every single game. They have a guy that they trust from play to play. Sometimes it's James White, but not until the end of the season. And Jeremy Hill was 
wildly inconsistent in Cincinnati. Rex Burkhead had some good moments, but he got hurt, and sometimes he's like a fullback. Mike Gillisley started off the season as a number three guy, but looked like the number one guy in the first three weeks, and then he fell off. And Sony Michelle, like you said, they go and get the guy, Isaiah Wynn, who's blocking for him, and you get this kid who could do a lot of different things, change the pace, and make it happen for you. So, and I, and I think you can argue that Sonny Michelle is better than Nick Chubb. So, and they got him in the first round, which, you know, I don't, <laughs> when I think of the Patriots, I don't think of them using a first round pick on a running back. So that says a lot about the situation as well. So this is where we sit right now. And, and you know, these are guys that I think some people are going to take him early and take him quick. Someone's going to take Jeremy Hill because they're going to remember him from Cincinnati. Somebody's going to take Burkhead in the middle of the draft. Somebody's going to take James White late in the draft. They might not take Sony Michelle right away, but I will tell you this with utter certainty. Please, please understand that these guys are your third best back that you need to be taking because they can be interchangeable. I think Sony Michelle has the capability of, of breaking a game open and doing some amazing things, but he's with Tom Brady right now. And he might be better served when they move forward without Belichick and Brady. So Sony can do some good things. Sony can make some things happen, but it's about protecting their quarterback who wants to throw the damn ball. So I like these running backs. I like their setup. Like I said, they could have the most depth that maybe they've ever had in New England. But with that being stated... This should not be your number one running back pick or your number two running back pick because you want a fantasy person who is going to be consistent. And the Patriots, even with a consistent running back, they don't allow them to be consistent because they could run for 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, and then they put them on the bench for the rest of the game. That's just how they play. It doesn't make sense. doesn't have to. They win championships, so they don't have to explain themselves in, the, in their minds. So for fantasy, just understand, there is talent there but that doesn't necessarily translate to consistency. Wide receivers, Mike. Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Kenny Britt is there now. Jordan Matthews is there now, who used to be with Philadelphia. Philip Dorsett, who used to be with the Colts. Corderell Patterson, who was on the Minnesota Vikings and fell off the face of the earth. The funny thing about Corderell Patterson is he is exactly the MO of the Patriots. Take a guy who made it to the NFL, who fell off the wagon and nobody has heard from since he got drafted, and he'll have seven touchdowns this year. What are your thoughts about these guys? Yeah, well, I'm really excited about you know a rookie who they got late. They got this rookie on day three, and that's Braxton Berrios from Miami. You know, he's a quick slot receiver. You know, he could see and he could make an impact right away. Because don't forget, Julian Edelman's gone down. You know, that Wes Welker-type role is up for grabs at times due to injury, and it gets played a lot. If you can play in the slot in New England, you're going to have success. But you got to be one of those hybrid guys. You may see them line up Sony Michelle in the slot as a receiver, you know, with a Rex Burkhead in the backfield. Then what do you do? So, you know, Julian Edelman's, a, you know, an outstanding receiver to have on your team. But remember, he's been injury-prone. He's getting up there in age, but he's still the number 24 receiver. So he's a bottom-end two, high-end three on my draft board. Chris Hogan's going to be Chris Hogan. He's going to have peaks and valleys. That's what he's had. And, you know, you spoke about a few things there about guys that are in the NFL, spent some time, you know, jostled around, haven't quite made it happen. There's five guys that I'm going to name next that all fit that M.O., and you're dead on. New England's popular for taking guys who couldn't be successful elsewhere, maximizing their potential, putting them in a position to be successful. That's key, and that's the wizardry of a Bill Belichick. But you take a guy like a Jordan Matthews, didn't pan out in, in Philly. You take a guy like Philip Dorsett, and with Spotty in Indianapolis. You take a guy like Kenny Brick, who, well, this is a guy who never got it done in Tennessee. And, and, and then you keep on going. You go with a guy like a Malcolm Mitchell. You go with a guy like a Cordero Patterson, like we talked about. Look like an outstanding return man and maybe a third receiver. The only problem is they brought him into Minnesota to be a number one receiver. So I think the opportunity is there. I think one, if not more than one of those guys that I just mentioned in the five are going to get squoze out due to numbers. But obviously a Braxton Barrios is going to stay. I think a Jordan Matthews and a Cordero Patterson is going to stay. So if I had my guess, 
who's going to be the odd man out. It's going to be one of the three in Dorsett, Britt, or Mitchell. So that'll be an interesting battle. But, you know, when it comes to the receivers in New England, you know they're usually going to put up some numbers. I think those players are a little more consistent than the running backs on a week-to-week basis throughout the season. But, you know, it's going to be spotty at best at times. Julian Edelman seems to be your best bet for New England. Yeah, and we look at the fact that Julian Edelman, uh, really quick here, Mike, what are your thoughts on, I mean, he he has a four-game suspension, uh, he's appealing it. The funny thing about the way that things are written, though, is that when a player has a four-game suspension, the stories are written like, this person's guilty, he's not going to be here for four games. With Julian Edelman's story was written, it was like, it's a four-game suspension, but let's figure it out, let's talk about it, let's see what we could do, maybe it was a mistake, who knows. And I was joking about it yesterday, that when the Patriots get a four-game suspension, it just seems like, I mean, and Tom Brady fought his tooth and nail, but, you know, for Edelman, it, it almost seems like everybody's like, wait a minute, maybe he didn't do anything, where if this was any other team, they'd be like, guilty, 100% guilty. What do you think about the suspension? It's all about image. It's all about perception. It's all about how people choose to receive that information and depends on the spin that the media puts on it. Julian Edelman's a likable guy, much like a Wes Welker. You know, there's certain guys that can't get away with the same thing. If it was a Randy Moss or if it was a Des Bryant, we'd be we'd be really bad mouthing one of these guys. But you know, it's a Julian Edelman. A guy seems to have a you know a, a sparkling clean uh, you know resume, as far as I know, unless I'm in the wrong here. But this is a guy who seems a squeaky clean guy. Seems to be a guy like a you know a, a long term guy who gets it in the NFL and just got caught up. And you know it's a shame he's going to do his time and move on. They're not going to make a bigger thing out of it than what it is. And you know you you just have to realize if you're taking a Julian Edelman, you're not going to be with him for just those four games. You're going to miss him for five games because they're going to have a buy coming up as well. So now you're missing a guy for five out of 13 weeks. Not quite half. What is that, 39%, 40%, something like that? So now you got to adjust the rest of your roster for that fact. That's why a Julian Edelman's only a number 24 on my list instead of being higher up. Yeah, you know, and that makes perfect sense because when a guy's out for four games, we know what it could do with a team, Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys. So... You know, Chris Hogan, I think, you know, if this suspension is upheld, that, you know, Chris Hogan could be one of those guys who has gone through injury and gone through some tough times, but he's out of Monmouth, and he has been someone who is going to be low on people's radars, but he's going to catch touchdowns. There's something about these guys that they bring in, the Hogans, the Edelmans, the Welkers, the Amendolas, they make it happen. Amendola's not there anymore, so look to Chris Hogan in this. Kenny Britt is wildly inconsistent, so I would not lean on him. Jordan Matthews is kind of interesting here for me, because Jordan Matthews is like a seventh-round pick in a, in a fantasy draft. And so I kind of, I like this. I like that he's a free agent. He's leaving Buffalo. There was nothing there. There was no big time game. There was no deep passes. He's now on a team with a guy who can throw the ball. So it'll be interesting to see what Jordan can do. Philip Dorsett, I'm going to keep the jury out on him. I put him out on waivers, free agency. And Corderell Patterson, same thing. Matt Slater, it'll be, it'll be, for me, he was an all pro second for special teams. So this is not a guy that's going to be every single week for you, consistency. Braxton Berrios, I like this. You know, I covered Braxton in Miami when he was playing for the Hurricanes. So I like Braxton Berrios as someone who could be a real sneaky pick that most people are going to forget about if you're not listening to this show. So your best bets are Chris Hogan and Jordan Matthews. Your sleepers, Braxton Berrios, in my opinion. And, Mike, can we can we talk about the fact that not only is Isaiah Wynn on the same team as Sony Michelle, but offensively, not on defense, but just on offense for the Patriots. Can we look at one of the MOs? Maybe we're figuring out Bill Belichick's drafting. You know, we, we call him a guru, and he's he's smart at these decisions he makes, but maybe we're figuring out his formula. Sony Michelle, Georgia, running back on their team. Going down the line here, Malcolm Mitchell, Georgia as well. We go down a little bit more. Isaiah Wynn, left tackle, Georgia. David Andrews, center, Georgia. Shaq Mason, Georgia Tech, is right guard for them. So three out of their five guys on the offensive line as starters are from the state of Georgia playing football. And then we have Ulrich John, who's a backup tackle from Georgia State. So maybe we figured out something with 
Billy Belichick. And maybe that's maybe that's he shows a little bit of little bit of love for that great state of Georgia when push comes to shove. Yeah, anywhere you know, Belichick's famous for his coaching connections, especially with the SEC coaches, and that's real important because that's where it seems a lot of the high quality players are coming from. You know, and not just the SEC, but the Southeast in general as far as high school players who have that D1 talent and are eligible to go to big-name schools, you know, uh, you know, uh, a place not many guys could go when they're born and raised in the South, maybe a Stanford or somewhere like that. But you notice that most of the picks are coached in the SEC. You know, th- th- he takes guys from Florida. He's always had a good rapport with coaches in the SEC, a Saban. He can get the inside track on guys by just picking up the phone and calling the coach his old buddy in the SEC, and there's quite a few of his buddies, and get the real inside track on guys. And I see it time and time again. You know, Belichick takes these guys that are going to fit what they're trying to accomplish in New England. It may not be the same guy that the other 31 teams would have even thought of. But it's going to fit what Belichick is looking to do. And if he was wrong, he's not going to admit it. He's just going to get rid of him. Absolutely. And with that being said, we're going to take a step aside. Speaking of getting rid of him, we're going to we're going to take a step aside here, go to a fast break, and we will come back here in just a moment. And when we do, we will cover the rest of the AFC East, get you ready for your fantasy football drafts. The Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills are on the clock in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, Something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop. And on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, we are inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, in the Home Depot Plaza. To all the leagues in Syracuse and Central New York that call Wake Up Call home, thank you so much. We all draft at the Wildcat Sports Pub, and it is a blessing and a privilege, and we thank them so much for opening their doors to us and being that family-friendly sports bar where you can bring the kids and bring the draft, grab a beer, get some food, and hang out with the family all in the same time, and everybody functions 
collectively, peacefully. I love it. I think it's great. I, I love the atmosphere of it. It's taken us a long time to find a truly great place in central New York for our drafts. And so thank you to the Wildcat Sports Pub, a local sports pub and family-friendly restaurant that you could bring your kids to. Heck, your kids can draft if they'd like to. And, you know, in the case of, of Mike Sofka, his kid does draft, Trey Sofka. He's inside of our draft as well that's down in Florida. So we're continuing on in the AFC East division, getting you ready for fantasy football and for your drafts. We're going team by team, division by division, week by week, so that you have everything you need. Next up on the docket, the New York Jets. Dare I ask you, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, do the Jets have a lot to offer in fantasy? Well, yeah, they do, but I think it's more on a dynasty side. I think that, um, you know, Sam Darnold is going to be a, you know, a long-term decent quarterback. I think they're just going to rely on him too much too early and demand too much out of him. I think they're going to thrust him into the spotlight, and if they don't, and if they have you know, and, that, and that's a popular way to go. But, you know, in this win-now business that we have, in this microwave and Facebook society that we're in where we need instant gratification, the fans are very impatient. You guys spend a number three pick on this guy that everybody thought was going number one. We want to see him. So, you know, it's just a matter of how they handle it and how Sam picks things up. You know, the progressions, the reads, and the speed, the timing, Everything's a little bit askew in the NFL. Now, Josh McCallum's the perfect guy to groom him and help him along. But look out for Teddy Bridgewater. This is a guy who could make an impact if he's allowed to. This is a guy who was the starter in Minnesota before the injury and before Case Keenum came in and rescued the day. This is a guy who still has some capabilities, and it's going to be interesting, you know, a year and a half or so removed from that knee op. So this is a guy who can still get it done. They may end up shipping him off somewhere else for some value later on, depending on who falls where. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. You're not going to find tremendous value in a Jets quarterback immediately. If you have patience or if you're in a dynasty league, Sam Darnold's your guy at quarterback. Yeah, you know, when we're looking at the quarterback situation for the New York Jets, the thing that works in your favor in my leagues in the wake-up call fantasy football challenge and the one we have down in Florida as well as the four that we have here in central New York you get the team quarterback which means you're not drafting Josh McCown and then somebody else is drafting Teddy and somebody else is drafting Sam if you draft the Jets quarterback you're getting all of them so if Sam Darnold if the quarterback starts out it's Josh McCown he has a rough couple weeks Teddy Bridgewater comes in he throws five interceptions then Sam Darnold comes in and He's got two touchdowns a game. He's keeping his interceptions down. You get all three of those guys. So I do think there's some value here with the Jets. I want to see what Sam Darnold can do. To be completely honest with you, he's one of those quarterbacks I might grab and stash on my team and be like, you know what? Let me keep him for a couple weeks. Let me see what happens. I'm going to pay close attention to training camp in the preseason and see who's the starter going to be for sure and then kind of just ride it out because eventually it's going to be Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's not a bad guy to have as your second or third quarterback and I think it's safe to say for team quarterbacks throw him on there as like your third guy and you should be good to go don't leave him out on the waiver wire if he's there late might as well take him give him an opportunity because I think that yeah I just I have a good feeling that and I know this isn't saying much but I think that the Jets quarterback situation is going to be better than it's been in at least recent history as far as the running backs go, Isaiah Crowell, who's coming over from the Cleveland Browns, who's done almost nothing. Bilal Powell, who's been on the team forever, who's done relatively not a lot and is very inconsistent. But I like Bilal, and he's great to interview. Work-wise, on the field, for fantasy, not very consistent. Thomas Rawls, who came from Central Michigan, who I think is a very strong running back, often gets injured and has gotten injured in Seattle. And then the guy that kind of came came running onto literally the field, Elijah McGuire, last year. He was drafted in the sixth round in the 2017 draft out of Louisiana Lafayette, and he stepped up a little bit, and he could be a potential spark for the team. So what do you think about these four guys, Mike? Yeah, I think at running backs where, you know, for me anyway, there's some questions. Um, you know, Isaiah Crowell was brought in. He, I've always liked him out of Georgia big powerful legs can really drive he's a big back you know but he he has finesse to his run as well so he can get and he can get him the ball in space 
Bilal Powell is inconsistent. He, he was thought to carry the load last year. Uh, couldn't do it all. Uh, dinged up a bit. Elijah McGuire steps in, the, the young guy. Uh, they're bringing him about slower, but you know, I think he's slowly coming around. He could be the number one guy come the end. But they also brought in a Thomas Rawls as well. He was spotty in Seattle with that committee situation with guys going down every other week. They went through like four or five running backs there in Seattle last year or so. And, of course, through the draft, they brought in out of Virginia State a Trenton Cannon. You know, I don't know a lot, a lot about Trenton, but I can tell you that if the Jets drafted him, it's a desperate pick. I don't know. I don't think there was much left on the board running back-wise at that 204th pick. I think it was a roster filler at that point. So, But you never know, and maybe he'll explode on the scene. You know, that's the great and exciting thing about playing fantasy football is you get to see these guys from, from their birth, from the draft, to their toddler and teenage years as they develop, and some develop quicker than others, then boom, all of a sudden they're an adult and they're in a Pro Bowl. Yeah, so I mean, when we look at this this rushing attack, like I said, that you know Elijah McGuire had some good moments, but these are guys that are, I mean, Crowell's inconsistent, Powell's inconsistent, Rawls inconsistent, McGuire's inconsistent. So I don't trust any of these guys to be a top dog for you, nor do I trust them to be fantasy studs for you. They, I mean, if you're going to get Darnold and grab and stash and think that Darnold can help out some of these guys to expand their game then that's something to do. But the guy that drafts Belial Powell in the first six or seven rounds, even the eighth round, I always look at him and I, I kind of shake my head. I'm like, dude, are you serious? And he's like, hey, you know, that's what I want to do, Dan. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? Thank you for taking him off the board. There's no chance I was going to take him. There's certain guys I will not take. Belial Powell is one of them. And, you know, one of the other guys I won't touch with a 10-foot pole is Eddie Lacy. And he was in the top 10 in some of the books that I had last year. He he just barely made like my top 40. So, and look at what he did last year. So for the Jets, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really have a lot of faith in anybody there being a fantasy consistent player for you. As far as the receivers go, though, they got a nice receiving core, Mike. They have Andre Roberts, who came over from Atlanta. They have Ardarius Stewart, who played at Alabama, and he was drafted in the third round in 2017. They have Quincy Inunua, who looked to be their third guy a couple years ago, then was fighting to be their first guy and ended up getting hurt last year. So he's coming off injury. Terrell Pryor is there, who was underutilized in Washington, so he could have some good mileage still left. Jermaine Curse is on the team from a trade with Seattle. And Robbie Anderson, who I picked up during the season, and he helped me out to win at least two or three weeks last year. What do you think about the receivers? Yeah, I think they have some names that you know are, are, are filling spots. I think that these guys are all capable of putting up some sort of numbers because one of the two guys in you or or Robbie Anderson are going to be the number one guy and I, I think it's going to be more Robbie Anderson as Quincy comes back from that from that injury the bottom line though is a lot of people are going to forget about Quincy and you which means that you could grab a Robbie Anderson or somebody on that same level and then come back a couple rounds later and get a Quincy and you because a lot of people are going to forget about this guy but the guy that's most intriguing to me on the roster is Terrell Pryor. I think Terrell Pryor, everyone was hyped on him thinking he was going to have a huge year last year. It didn't happen, and now he's in New York. This is another re-blossoming of Terrell Pryor. I think if he can get himself a position to play on the field just due to his athletic ability in the slot, I think if they can get him the ball out in a, you know, like a, like a Julian Edelman role, just get him the ball. He can do a lot. He's a mismatch with speed on a linebacker and he's a mismatch with size on a cornerback or a safety. So this is a, this is a guy you want to line up to play the mismatches and to help you get first downs. I think Terrell Pryor is the best value pick out of all of them. I think Robbie Anderson's the number one guy. And I think Quincy and you was the sleeper guy who you end up taking real late. Yeah, I think Robbie Anderson has earned the right to be one of those guys that you can kind of sneaky pick earlier on in the draft. And I think, you know, Quincy Inunua, because he's coming off of injury, people are going to forget about him, and he's not a guy to – I mean, you could go like 13th, 14th round, and you could be like, oh, you know, I'm going to take Quincy Inunua. And people would be like, does he even play football? And you would just laugh it off and say, yeah, he does. He was actually pretty good, and just let it be what it is. The people that do their research – and, Mike, I don't know if you found this in drafts, 
But the people that do their research and know what the hell they're talking about, know what they're doing. And you know what? There, there is, you know, you never know what's going to happen in a season, but there's quality and there's something to be said about doing your homework. Do you not find that like, cause I see it that when you and I do our homework, there's always somebody in the draft that's like laughing it off going, that's a crazy pick. Nobody would pick that. Do you get a sense of that as well? That when you do your homework, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, Mike, you're totally off the wall, and you're just kind of smirking inside your own head. I see it three different ways. I see it usually a way like like you just described there. But I also see it where, you know, I, I someone else jumps up and takes the guy that I knew shouldn't be drafted till the seventh round, but they take him in the third because he went to their school or, you know, he's on their favorite team or whatever, or, or, or the girl from accounting that's in the league that's never played fantasy football likes it because he has a Q in his name or something like that, you know, and, and then it just blows your mind, but you got to move on from that and adjust in the draft. And then on the other side of it is where, you know, I'm waiting for a guy to fall to a certain round because I know his average draft position but I snap him up just like a half round or a round before that to make sure I get him. And then I feel like I've outsmarted some people in the room. So you got to know your draft room. If you don't, you got to take some chances either way. And not everything is going to go according to plan, but how you adjust and how you react to those plans in the draft room, whether you're drafting with polished and, and researched and, and well-versed players or whether you're just, you know, in a, in a totally for fun league and it's not, you know, any big deal, you know, there's still a sense of pride for me. I want to win all the time. So you got to be prepared for all those inevitable things to happen. Absolutely. And, and I think that Robbie Anderson is worth the take in, you know, sixth or seventh round, something like that, maybe even a little bit sooner, depending on how many wide receivers go. And, you know, I keep a close look for Terrell Pryor on the waiver wire. Jermaine Kerr's probably going to get passed over, but I, I agree with Mike. I think it's Anderson and then a noon one, and then we go from there. I am keeping an eye on our Darius Stewart, though, because I want to see where he fits into the whole mix of things coming from Alabama. It just intrigues me if if he really doesn't get that much opportunity, as well as Sharon Peake, who came from Clemson. So Sharon Peake, I mean, he might not make the team, so you just have to sit and watch and wait. But I like Robbie Anderson, and, and like I said, he bailed me out more than once last year, and I did not draft him. I picked him up after the fact. Uh, Miami, Mike, looking at the Miami Dolphins, keeping with our AFC East Fantasy Football Power Hour coverage to get people ready for their drafts. Ryan Tannehill, Brock Osweiler's in Miami now. Bryce Petty's in Miami now, and so is David Fales. What do you think about this entire situation? There is no more Matt Moore. There is no more Jay Cutler. Ryan Tannehill is coming back from an injury that kept him out all of last season and change. What do you think about this? Yeah, this is a rough scenario for Miami. Number one, I, I, I don't like the direction Tannehill's been going, injury or no injury. You know, now that they've uh, lost Jarvis Landry, which now we're finding out later, that uh, apparently Jarvis and Tannehill weren't always on the same page on a lot of things, so... You know, Julius Thomas is no longer on a team. He was thought to save things through the Adam Gates uh, offense. And just a lot of bad things happened in Miami the past couple years. Brock Osweiler's not the answer. You know, Bryce Petty's not the answer. Brian Tannehill, I'm sorry, folks, he's not the answer. You know, you better come with a backup plan if you're considering a Miami quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Miami add another quarterback after cuts are made. Yeah, you know, I just... For Miami, if Tannehill gets hurt again, they're dead in the water. And like you said, I mean, with Ryan Tannehill, just what he's been doing, I I didn't, I never believed in him the first couple seasons. I didn't think he was. I shouldn't say I didn't believe in him. That's I want to reword that. I didn't think that he was a starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. And then all of a sudden, he got a little bit better, and I was like, oh okay. And then he was earning some respect from me, and then he got hurt. So. I'm not a huge fan of Miami in and of itself because Miami has consistently, since the loss of Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, they have shed everything that's good. Jay Ajayi, they just let him go win a Super Bowl, so that's good for Jay. You know, they let Jarvis Landry go. They seem to not. They seem to always be rebuilding on top of the rebuilding, rebuilding of the rebuilding year. So, I'm not a big fan of the quarterback situation. And if Tannehill goes down, they're in a lot of trouble. So, 
there we stand. I think Bryce Petty might be better than the Jets showed him to be, but I don't know if that amounts to more than, I don't know, four or five wins. Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore is there now. Frank Gore is 115 years old, and he's still playing football, and I'm very proud of that. Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake, uh, Sonoris Perry is there now. He was a free agent coming out of Louisville, so he's there. What do you think about the backfield? Because Kenyon Drake did some nice things, at least at certain points last season. Yeah, it appears they want Kenyon Drake to be the guy. They see something there, but they stole Callum Ballage in the, in the fourth round. You know, this is a guy who comes out of Arizona State who they thought would be the guy right behind Frank Gore. You know, Kenyon Drake's going to have every opportunity to fail here, though. I think Frank Gore was a sentimental thing, a hometown guy. Uh, you know, so this is an opportunity for him to get some goal line touches and, and just run until he, you know, pulls a, you know, pulls a hamstring or, or, or falls down in the shower from trying to get to his walker. You know, this is a situation where Frank Gore is going to be on the team. He's going to be more the locker room, the leader guy, the guy who helps bring about a Sonoris parody, a Kalen Ballage. This is the guy who can lead a Kenyon Drake and help these guys in the running back room before a game. Yeah, you know, I think Kenyon Drake makes makes some sense to put on your team as a nice backup. I think that with the questionable and the inconsistency in the passing game with Miami, that they will lean on the run a little bit more. We saw them lean on it more than I expected them to last year. So, you know, with Kenyon Drake, I think that he's not a bad pickup for you. Frank Gore, we'll see, but Sonoris Perry, keep your eye on him because he'll probably end up he'll probably end up after the draft just sitting out there. So that is something to look to. But Kenyon Drake, I like him as a backup. I like him as a piece of that one-two punch because they they seemed more and more comfortable letting him have the ball last year. Wide receivers, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. They had some good moments. They're up and down. Albert Wilson's a free agent from Kansas City. Danny Amendola, usually they leave all the teams of the, of the AFC East to go to the Patriots, but this time Danny's going there to the Miami Dolphins from the Patriots. And then, you know, they have Isaiah Ford from Virginia Tech and so on and so forth. What do you think about the Amendola, Wilson, Stills, and Parker situation for Miami? Yeah, I think Kenny Stills needs to bounce back. I think Devontae Parker needs to show he's the man everybody thought he was going to be. And, you know, you just take away the guy who's caught, you know, who's had more receptions the past several years than anybody else in the league in, in a Jarvis Landry you're going to feel that impact. I mean, I don't think a Leonte Carew or Jaquine Grant are, are ready to step up. I wonder what Amadola is going to, or Albert Wilson is going to be able to do after their injury-riddled career so far. So, again, it's 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 going to be a challenge if Parker and still step up. The thing I'm most excited about is it looks like they finally got a couple tight ends to help them out going with this two tight end theory that a lot of teams are going with in a Mike Gusecki. And, and, and um, you know, Durham Smythe, I think that Smythe is more the blocker. Gusecki's the more athletic guy. He's going to go up and get some get some balls. And he's the guy that's one of the rookie guys who you want to target for getting a tight end. Let's say all the top tight ends are gone and, and, and you want to pick somebody up. You, you know, you didn't get to fill your position. He's the guy you may be able to wait on late unless you're in a room with a bunch of Dolphins fans. Yeah, you know, I, I think with this team, and, and, you know, we haven't really spoken too much on the tight ends, but, you know, for me, I think I think for, you know, Miami side of things that we're going to have to look at in the receiving core, you know, Devontae Parker's not bad, but he is inconsistent. Kenny Stills seemed to be the guy that Jay Cutler liked to air out to and give him some opportunities. is going to be a question mark. You know, I think he's someone that might slip a little bit here. He's not a bad guy to pick up. He's been in the league for a few years now. He's been in, this is his 10th year that he's been in the league. This is his decade time. So just make note of that. But Stills and Parker, I don't think they're bad. I don't think that they're draft-worthy of top four rounds, but I think that at some point in the fifth or sixth round, you can make a move on these guys and see where they go. As far as the tight ends, they have A.J. Derby, who came off of waivers from Denver, and Mike Gusecki from Penn State. You know, I, I kind of just I look to these guys and is you know Mike Gusecki, so to speak, and say, okay, you know what? Do we do we take a flyer on this, knowing that you know sometimes quarterbacks will lean heavily on their tight ends, but Ryan Tannehill was not a guy to really do that. Anthony Fasano didn't make a lot of hay when he went to Miami. So that's something you have to look out for. I always look at 
when I'm talking about tight ends, because I don't expect them to have 60 yards a game. I don't expect them to have a touchdown every single game. I don't expect everybody to be like Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski and, and whatnot. So when it comes to this, I'm always looking at when a quarterback's in trouble, who is he throwing that ball to? Is he going over the middle to his tight end or is he checking it down and going to his running back that's a couple yards away? And I don't trust Ryan Tannehill is going to lean heavily on his tight end, but it is something to watch and look out for because I don't think that Mike Gusecki, you know, will be drafted in, in all the drafts that you're a part of this year. To go back to the Jets, Eric Tomlinson and Clive Walford, you know, these are other question marks as well. Clive came from uh, waivers from Oakland in April of this year. He's most likely, more than likely, I would think him or Jordan Leggett are going to be the guys that will get the opportunities out there for the Jets but there's nobody there that I'm really leaning on and saying, yeah, you definitely have to go out and get them. And then a quick look at the New England Patriots, since we didn't speak on their tight end situation, I think it's I think it's fair to say and easy to say for us, it's Rob Gronkowski, and you know, people are gonna draft him. I will tell you though that he does get injured, and you know, he he hasn't felt as wonderful as he has in the past. So the people that draft him in the first round, I'm gonna let you do that. The people that draft him at the top of the second round, I'm going to let you do that too because I don't think that Rob Gronkowski is worth that high of a move, especially with some things recently in his career. But, you know, he's one of the best of the best that's out there at tight end. Final team we're going to touch on here in the AFC East, getting you ready for your fantasy football draft inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. We have the Buffalo Bills, and we will start the conversation with A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen. A.J. finally got a job that wasn't Cincinnati. He finally got let go when he was fighting for them to give him an opportunity to be a free agent, and then they draft Josh Allen. What do you think about this scenario? Well, I think Buffalo didn't think they were going to be able to draft you know, one of these big four uh, quarterbacks. I didn't think they thought one of them was going to drop down far enough for them and then you know the trading the swapping of picks when they shipped court uh glenn to the to the uh cincinnati they were able to move up and then without trading the 22 pick this year or next year's first round pick so you know here's the deal josh allen hasn't been the most accurate guy at wyoming he had subpar you know competition and his completion rate wasn't what they thought it should be his his saving grace is hand size. He's got big hands, which enables him to grip the ball, especially in a cold weather uh, town like a Buffalo. So this is a chance that he could get on the field earlier rather than late, because even though he's had issues with inaccuracy and that, that kind of held him back, some coaches you know, take that as a challenge upon themselves, and I think the Bills see the good. I think they see the glass half full here, not half empty. And I feel bad for A.J. McCarron because I think they brought him in thinking that he could put a you know a, a, a Band-Aid on his situation for another year until they're able to get a quarterback. Then they were able to fall. to Josh Allen was able to fall to them, and it worked out. So I think Josh Allen is going to end up being your guy there, and I think A.J. McCarron's going to be uh, mired in mediocrity once again as a backup. Yeah, and that's and that's the sad part of everything here is that we finally thought and we're going to see AJ McCarron get out there and and do his thing and see what he's worth and and now Josh Allen's hanging in the balance and you know those Bills fans are not going to be patient with what's going on so I would anticipate Josh Allen would be out there. I don't think this is a bad pickup as a backup. I don't think that it's your number one quarterback, but as a backup, I don't think it's a bad pickup because there are some weapons there and it's not Tyrod Taylor and my hope is that Josh Allen will throw the long ball, which we saw him do on film. I know we talk about his consistency and whatnot, but I know that he could beam this ball, and I want to see that happen in Buffalo for those Buffalo Bills fans that are desperate to see the ball get moved up and down the field. LaShawn McCoy, Chris Ivory, who came from the Jaguars, Traveris Cadet, who is a free agent from the Jets, Tywan Jones, who's a free agent from Oakland, all on the team right now. Marcus Murphy got some time as a free agent from the Jets as well. What do you think about the running back situation now that they kept LaShawn McCoy and brought in Chris Ivory? I think Chris Ivory is going to be a role player. I think Taiwan Jones will be a role player if he's still on the roster. I think LaShawn McCoy is still going to be the guy. He's their beast mode, if you would. I, I know Marshawn Lynch is long gone from there, but this is a, this is a guy who can lead the team on the rushing attack. 
the challenges and the reason why I have him ranked where I do as the number 12 in a redraft league as far as running backs goes. That's a bottom end one or a high end two. This is a guy who they're going to rely on a lot. This is a guy who's probably going to see eight guys in the box because of the rookie quarterback situation. And because I don't think any of the receivers strike fear into any opposing defenses, I know we're going to talk about receivers in a minute, but I got LaShawn McCoy still capable, still capable of leading your team. Just you got to temper those expectations. No longer a top five back. It's a low end one, high end two. Yeah, you know, for me to, to look at the situation for the Buffalo Bills, you know, LaShawn McCoy, somebody's going to draft him high, and especially in central New York when we do the drafts here. But, you know, I like LaShawn McCoy. I think that this is one of those guys that, God bless him, he's found longevity. He's found success later on in his career. He didn't start out hot and then taper off. He has continued to be, uh, you know, the best player offensively by far for the Bills for the last couple of years. And Chris Ivory, like you said, he'll be a role player. Tywan Jones, if he's still on the team, I agree with you. He'll be a role player. So it's really, for me, it's LaShawn McCoy to draft. And and people are going to draft him high. And I don't discredit any of that because LaShawn McCoy has impressed me when he went to Buffalo. Wide receivers, Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, if he can keep himself out of trouble. I like this kid. I covered this kid out of East Carolina. I spent time with this kid. He is the number one all-time leading reception yard wide receiver in the history of the NCAA and you know he I think he was on a team with again Tyrod Taylor who's not going to beam the ball down the field so he looked relatively quiet but Calvin Benjamin the hope is that he's healthy now Zay Jones is there and then after that it's just kind of a whole lot of blah I mean it's I mean we don't know what we're going to get and that's what I mean by that Austin Prohl from North Carolina Ray Ray McLeod from Clemson they were both drafted extremely late in this year's draft, then you have uh, Rod Streeter, who's coming over from San Fran. He went to Temple. We have Kalen Clay, who is a free agent from Carolina. Jeremy Curley, who spent time with the Jets. Andre Holmes, who is a free agent from Oakland, who came over last year. So I'm focusing and zeroing in my fantasy energy on Benjamin and Jones. What do you think about this? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wonder about those receivers. I wonder if they're a. a you know, a, a young crew who's going to get it together here in the next year or so and, and prove me wrong. But Kelvin Benjamin, the injury, you know, kind of held him up for a year and a half. Zay Jones, I think, is a tremendous talent. You know, year under his belt here, he's still figuring it out. And, and the rest are just names. I mean, Andre Holmes, Kalen Clay, Rod Streeter, uh, Jeremy Curley, these are all has-beens and also rands. I think the guys who are more of a lock to make the roster are the Ray Ray McLeods, the Austin Prohl, and the Robert Fosters. These are guys that are young and come from decent programs. Ray Ray McLeod coming from Clemson and Austin Prohl out of North Carolina. Even though they were picked late, they were still picked. And these are guys who could develop. Remember, a lot of times the learning curve for the NFL receivers is three years. So you got to have patience if you go with one of these guys. So the value is, is where you take a, a Calvin Benjamin, where you take a Zay Jones. Unfortunately, I don't have any one of those guys rated as a receiver one through three, so they're bottom-end receivers. And a part of that is because of the new quarterback situation in Buffalo. Yeah, you know, and and to look at this, you know, this, this Buffalo situation, you don't know what you're going to get, like Mike said. You know, it's a new quarterback situation. I, I'm, I'm anticipating and hoping for the long ball and for them to air it out, you know, for, for you know, if I'm speaking on the side of Buffalo Bills fans, they want to see the game open up a little bit instead of just being this tight game. And, you know, for Calvin Benjamin, he was supposed to be the number one guy in Carolina. They traded him away for almost nothing, and he has been injured. He has not stepped up, but he could be the number one guy here. He's supposed to be the number one guy here. I'm looking to Zay Jones. Keep yourself out of trouble Focus in, zero in, and do what you have to do. There's a reason why you lead the NCAA forever in career reception yards. Go show the NFL why that is. You don't have the opportunity to make a mistake two years in a row because it will be forgotten after that. So for Zay Jones, this team, anybody could be the number one guy. 
So Zay Jones, you could take him late. Eighth round, ninth round, whatever. Calvin Benjamin, somebody's going to take him early. Probably a Bills fan. That's okay. Let it go. He's not consistently healthy, and that is a big concern for me. Jeremy Curley, we know he could do some good things, but from Andre Holmes to Jeremy Curley, these are guys that are usually on the waiver wire or in free agency. Austin Prohl and Ray Ray McLeod are going to try and make this team. We're going to see what happens. I hope the best for them. But really, honestly... Zay Jones, if I had to pick any of these guys, that's the guy I would lean on. But I'm not leaning on him until the 8th or the ninth round. I may not lean on him at all. He may be my flex player, but he probably will not be until he shows me so, my number one or my number two receiver. And then as far as tight ends, I think Mike and I can both agree that Charles Clay is is a nice, uh, nice guy to have there. And Nick O'Leary, who played at Florida State, how about that backup? If Miami or Miami, if Buffalo can figure out a way to utilize both these guys, I think we could see Buffalo moving the ball down the field with some of their tight ends, especially with their question marks at wide receiver. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, contemporary expectations. It is Charles Clay. It is Nick O'Leary. These guys, you know, again, aren't top guys. You know, a, a, a Charles Clay is a, is a bottom end tight end too for me, and the Nick O'Leary is a guy who still may show value in a keeper or dynasty league as a real low end expectation wire pickup for you. Yeah, so not high players, but you know Charles Clay seems to be sometimes the most consistent thing that Miami had, and since then the most consistent thing that Buffalo's had outside of LaShawn McCoy. With that being said, Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. He is here with us in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub every single Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and you can catch him once again on HallofFameFantasyFootball.com. We are breaking down each team by division. We cover the North, we cover the East, next week is the West. Mike, as always, I appreciate your time. Sounds great, Dan. Thanks so much. See you next time. Take care.